In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I break down the latest reports around James Harden and his next contract before diving into a little bit of discussion about the Sixers coaching search. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined once again by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? Derek, I'm doing fine. It's uh, I'm in full off season mode now, which means I'm still writing a decent amount. But you know, it's there's no games at night, which yep. I think certainly <laughs> have not been frustrated by a Philadelphia 76ers game in a week and a half. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. No, I'm on the Trey Turner. Sucking, although yeah, nice home run at the end of the game yesterday. They can't disappoint us if they're not playing games anymore. I feel like I'm the guy pointing at his head meme. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to uh, look. We have a lot to talk about in this off season. Whether it's going to be James Harden, which we'll talk about a little bit today. Whether it's going to be the coaching search, which we'll talk about a little bit today. Or it's going to be constant Joel Embiid debates because I feel like that's not going to happen. You know, there's no chance for that to go away until really May 2024. So we have plenty. And and by the way, they have like six like legitimate rotation players, not six, but like four legitimate rotation players who are free agents and we've got double aprons and all that stuff to talk about that's a little more of a late june type of podcast so we have a we have a lot to keep us busy for sure for sure real quick on the fills too i I just would hope that they are the baseball heat where they just they they kind of putter around in the regular season they're they're maddening for most of the year but once they get in the dance they're the tough team they're they're the tough out and uh i'm basing that off of absolutely nothing just one Pretty crazy playoff run last year, but who knows? Maybe it happens yeah. again. That's my thought. Yeah, their 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 track record outside of that one playoff run, maybe not the greatest. We will ignore that and pretend that they are the new baseball heat for sure. For sure. Hashtag Phillies culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Just a really frustrating. Anyway, we don't need to talk about the frustrating Phillies. We have the frustrating Sixers. Really not even frustrating. More the heartbreaking Sixers, but we'll. I guess we'll get into that later. And start this off, there have been a number of reports of James Harden, which you would expect now that we are five weeks away from getting a decision on his future. And there have been obviously a lot of talk about the Sixers head coaching vacancy, in part because there are a bunch of other high profile vacancies across the NBA, and some of them will be filled at a faster timeline than you expect the Sixers to do. Where would you like to start? Let's start with Harden, because I think it's a shorter conversation, because it's going to be a longer story. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I guess just as a general recap of some of the reports that have been out there, Keith Pompey, basically uh, the gist of his story was that league executives expect Harden to return to Houston and that Harden asked, or not Harden, that Houston asked potential coaching candidates their thoughts of coaching Harden. So there's a lot of talk about that report. By, by the way, real, real quick on that, Ime Udoka and Harden would be – all I know yeah. from Ime Udoka was he was the guy who would literally say, my team sucks, we're not playing hard enough, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think the only one that would be more interesting than that would be Nick Nurse with James Harden, which I suppose we will get to a little bit later. <laughs> so there, there's, there's that Good report. Point. <laughs> there's that report. And, I mean, Vogel would be interesting too because I can't imagine he would put up with Harden's defensive effort, but I mean he put up with LeBron James <laughs> – coasting on defense for the season. So I, anyway, anyway, there's that report. Uh, there have been reporting 
I feel like this was from Ramona, but I'm not 100% sure, so I apologize on not crediting it correctly. But that the um, Sixers have been lukewarm on giving him the full $50 million and that uh, Houston is generally a you know leverage play, which I think we talked about a lot when those reports initially came out. And what else? I feel like I'm forgetting one. This is where taking well, that was the podcast would have that really was Wendy who, who that said was Wendy. that. Yes, and, yes. And Wendy, yeah, he also, yeah, yeah, he said they're lukewarm on giving him um, the, uh, you know, the the full max, whatever that is. Yeah, whatever that four means. years, two oh seven, something like that. Yep, something like it. Yeah. So there's that. What, what, I guess just what's your overall read on? Harden stuff. And also there's, I don't remember if we covered this in the last pod, but there's all kinds of reports of friction from, you know, between Doc Rivers and Harden about, you know, Doc trying to basically get on him for off-court shenanigans, I guess we'll call it, for the trip to Vegas, for all that stuff. Uh, That stuff is out there as well. I'm not sure if we talked about that on the last pod, but that, I guess, will probably factor more into the coaching discussion that we have here in a few minutes. I think my overall takeaway... And you can stop me if you disagree, but to me, this is unlike any James Harden potentially changing team saga in the past. Like the last two times he quit in the middle of the season and forced his way onto another team. Now there are leaks about what type of situation he wants. The Houston noise has been a slow build all year to where it's it's just deafening now. It's 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 very hard to ignore that. Um and I guess to me, the key point here is that there's at least a chance. I mean, it, I would say even more than a chance. It sure seems like money is a bigger sticking point than the last two times. Do you agree with that? Money is a bigger sticking point than the last two. Like it's it's more important. The to last him two now. times, the last two times, I just think he hated the situation he was in. Yeah, I can't win. Well, the, the the one situation the Kyrie, wasn't the Kyrie even stuff is, is nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, neither of them that. were free agency, so that's why it's different. And yeah. I don't know as much as Harden talked about the sacrifice and the cryptic comments at the end of the year. The biggest sacrifice that he made this year was not passing the ball to Joel Embiid in the pick and roll. It was that he took a massive pay cut so that Daryl Morey could pay PJ Tucker and Daniel House. Yeah, and going back to that Chris Hands report in which basketball freedom was cited, I will acknowledge that. The first nugget there was, of course, a four-year contract yep. that uh, that James Harden is seeking. So I guess when I hear the windy report that the Sixers don't have the appetite to pay the max, and that's roughly what I've heard as well, um, that they're looking for more of a, a deal that works for them. What does that mean? I don't know. Other than, you know, four years and 207, 210 million, whatever the hell it is, would be kind of stunning. Uh so basically, I, I kind of have two questions here that I just don't know the answer to. I think the first one is how much money is Houston going to offer Harden? I just don't know. And how much of Harden's sacrifice and basketball freedom comments, was that an act or is that actually what he feels moving yeah. forward? Um, so those are those are kind of where I'm at. And, you know, we can get into those, but I, I just, uh, you know, I, I certainly think the money is a part of this and I, I just don't know how much of that 60 million in cap space Houston is willing to spend like how much okay you want him it's clear that uh that there is an interest in bringing him back to Houston but how far are you going to go financially yep. because it seems like the Sixers are only going to go so far 
And then the second thing is, you know, as much as Harden's comments and the sacrifice stuff at the end of the year was uh, alarming, I would say, you know, like certainly yeah. concerning if you, you are, are worried about him moving forward. I thought his year was pretty good. Like I, whatever lifestyle issues you have with him and all of those things, like he played his role pretty well this year. If you come back, are you going to want those things to change? Or is this more of just a leverage play to just try and get, you know, more money? I, I don't know the answer to those questions. So, And if if that role does actually change, is Joel Embiid okay with that? No, I agree with you. Um, all of this is terrifying. 4-207 is terrifying. Him walking for nothing is terrifying because they have no way to replace him. And him wanting the ball more is terrifying. I'm not comforted by anything that has been reported so far. You know, I will say there was... Hashtag you know, terrifying. That's really the word of this uh, offseason. Um, and would the Sixers act... Like, if the Sixers say, like, all right, four years, you know, 160 is the most we'll go. Is that actually true? Like, it's not like they gain more cap flexibility by playing hardball with him. Like, they still... The reality is they still can't lose him or replace him if he walks... And he probably understands that, and that's a big leverage play too. There's the Rockets that are leveraged, and there's the inflexibility of the Sixers that are leveraged. And I, it doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. I do agree that his, like, I always knew that I was, it, it's sort of like going back to the Joel Embiid and, and coming up short debate. What really concerns me is the new information, because I knew coming into this offseason I was going to be terrified of that contract. What I didn't expect to happen was to go, oh no, this dude still thinks he can run an offense like he did in Houston. And those reports, and to be clear, a lot of them haven't necessarily come directly from Harden. They've been from sourced reporting. A little bit is the guy in the hot dog suit, you know, claiming he doesn't know where they're coming from. Of course, they're coming from his camp. But, <laughs> you know, I I didn't, I, I thought like his buy-in was one of the things that was at least reassuring me a little bit that he could have a potential future here in Philly alongside Joel Embiid. That's all very concerning. And again, going back to the report where, you know, the headline, which I think the headline did a little bit of a disservice to the actual reporting there, but the headline and the tweet that was derived from the headline was that uh, it's expected that Harden will return to Houston. And a lot of that reporting co doesn't come from direct sources. It comes from league executives, uh, other teams' executives. It comes from how Houston was conducting their coaching search, which quite frankly, you know, if Houston ha thinks they have a 20% chance of getting Harden, or if they think they have an 80% chance of Harden, they should be asking potential coaches whether they would like to coach James Harden. Like, either end of that spectrum isn't going to change the way that they conduct those coaching searches, I guess what I'm saying. So I wouldn't read too much into that specific report. What I would say is in the past, when James Harden is looking to make a move, you tend to get a lot of the circumstances that we're getting now. It's the, 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 the vibe, so to speak, is eerily similar, where he were, will telegraph and choreograph his desires through the media in a slow buildup to the point where it's like, all right, we've been hearing about this for so long and so much that there almost has to be some truth to it. So I do agree with you. I wonder how much of this is just a leverage play, like how much of this is I need to get what I want in terms of money and ball, and if not, I need to have a backup plan. But none of it makes me feel... G great at all I'm terrified yeah. of everything but, and, and general, I think this specifically. It, if you are the Sixers and you're looking at this the, the buy-in aspect of this is huge you, you, I, if James Harden 
wants to score 40 points a game, or at least try to score 40 points a game, because we know he, he can't do that in his sleep like he used to, and he wants an offense that also features Joel Embiid to run through him in a drastically different way than the all-NBA caliber secondary role that probably suits him best at this point yeah. of his career? If that answer is no, I think you just have to walk away. I just In order for a player it's to terrifying age— terrifying to have him— Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, was, I, was no, just, I mean, it's I terrifying to let him move, but it's terrifying to let him move, but I, I just think you have to walk away. Yeah, that's all. In order for a player to age gracefully, you have to take meticulous care of your body. All right. That ain't James. And you have to be realistic about how your game changes as you age. And at least even if he wasn't going to be a you know Greek statue in terms of his physical fitness, at the very least, you thought, Hey, this last year, two years, even three years, if you go back to the Nets, he's doing a good job of adapting his game to the new realities of his body. Um, And this, again, and I want to give him a little bit of leeway because it's not coming directly from him, but it's certainly concerning as heck. It's certainly concerning. So you've mentioned hashtag concerning and hashtag terrifying. I can't wait for for your post in a couple weeks, whenever that is in the podcast, where we dive deep into that drastic second apron, which I think goes to show that this is a little bit of a two-way decision more than you think. As much as the Sixers stand to lose by letting James Harden walk, if you bring Embiid and Harden back and you bring Harden back, even if it's for two years at you know 35 to 40 million or something like that, you get a, a pretty friendly deal, man, you're getting pretty close to what is essentially functioning as a hard cap with like three yeah. guys. Like, I, I mean, I'm assuming you're extending... You know, you have Embiid, Supermax, Maxi, big extension, Harden's deal. You know, I got a question in my mailbag about, like, maybe you could trade Tobias for a kind of a long-term, more of a long-term piece that's not a great contract but might be a little bit better of a player than this. If you bring Harden back and extend Maxi, that's a no-go automatically. Yeah. Like, you're just – well, and, I, and I don't have of- a complete grasp on it yet, but, you know, I, I even look at a team like Boston – they're staring down two Supermax guys over yep. $110 million committed to two dudes. It's going to get tricky. I, I just think that I, I'm not ready for the uh, to completely grasp the second apron, but it's, it's going to be hard to be a really expensive team. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, a team with three huge contracts is going to be tough moving forward. Yeah. No, it, it is getting tougher and tougher to hoard these star and. and- Star players are still undervalued, you're still underpaid, you still want to get as many of them as you can. But like your people you're paying star player money to actually have to be stars. Like in the past, you get away with Tobias at 40 million, James at 36 at 40 million. It's getting a lot tougher to do that. And part of the problem here in evaluating this is we don't actually know the full details of when a lot of these new CBA rules are going into effect. Like some of them are going to be a slow trickle. Uh, so we're still trying to grasp that a little bit. But yeah, it's um, yeah, no, a, a big contract to him would be it would be damaging. Uh, like if you're talking about having Harden and Maxi and Embiid, it's going to be tough to build a a you know six through ten capable of. You really do need a heat culture because you got to start developing some guys into being real difference makers in a rotation. Um, and that's all that's all fine if he's playing great and he's playing the right role that he should be playing and he ages well. But yeah, Ter- so terrified. I, I terrified. think it's a, it's. It's a bit of a two-way street, you know, and I, I agree with you that neither option, giving Harden a lot of money or or letting him walk and, you know, probably being left to just 
use that twelve million dollar mid level exception to replace him is uh it's it's scary. Neither things. We but we can get into the different pass probably in, in a couple of weeks here. Yeah. Um, for the most part, we goes. just wanted but, to address the reports that were out there about Harden. We have plenty of time to actually get into the nuts and bolts of the CBA in his next contract. I can I say that I, I do think it is a very interesting like from a neutral standpoint, I think it is a very interesting situation. It's probably the most interesting situation in the NBA this free agency because you know, unless there's like a blockbuster trade, which by the way, there could be because of those looming second apron CBA changes. Like I think there could be some star player movement, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just think like, yeah, but both sides. And I think from Houston standpoint too, it's like, are right, you going to add this guy to you yeah, know, your, that, that your, has... all of your young players? Yeah. I yeah. just think the whole thing is, is really, really interesting. Okay. No, I That's mean, there's it. a lot of teams that are very frustrated right now. And you combine that with a, a, a pretty drastically changed uh, financial landscape that's coming down the pipeline. I think you're right. There could this could be a pretty crazy offseason and one that would be tough to predict. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the coaching search. Who have they officially talked to so far? I forget, they talked to Vogel. They talked to well, my notes. It's been reported that it was Vogel and Nurse. Really Nurse, too. okay. Uh, and then obviously Bud Cassell. Uh, Monty Williams on and, and Mike D'Antoni on that short list. We really haven't seen anything reported outside of those six names on the short list. It seems like it is going to come down to to those candidates unless there is a curveball, which there could be, but there hasn't been any reporting yet to suggest that. You wrote a pretty detailed dive into all of these guys over at The Athletic, so I will sort of let you take the floor. Where is your head at on this coaching search? I think is anybody who's listened to us talk about this. There are pluses and minuses for every guy. Sure. And guessing which one is the the right one, it, it's just that. It's a guess. So I, I think we can talk ourselves into or out of all of these people. Um, I, I guess let's just go one by one, right? And and then we can maybe kind of see where our head is at and maybe even try and predict what they do. Let's start. I started with Nick Nurse. Mm-hmm. I think... For one, he's probably the most sought out coach, right? And there's a lot of reporting that he might have his pick of these jobs. Like he might, yep. he's also interviewing in Phoenix. And that's a, along that's a, with. Yeah, Doc Rivers. Yep. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and that's a, that's a key point. Cause I think, you know, you look at the six and you go, oh, well, that's got to be an attractive job to coaches. Like they're, a, you know, they've got the MVP. They've got a team that, that a lot of people think is at least close to contention, and there's a lot of great names on the market, but also there's a lot of great coaching jobs on the market too. Co- jobs that you don't usually see stuff like Phoenix, stuff like Milwaukee, maybe even Boston, depending on what they do, as you brought up being yeah. Pops lead assistant. Uh, there's a lot of really attractive jobs on the market. I don't think the Sixers are at the top of the list. I'm not sure they're two or three on the list either. So when you're talking, you know, there's a lot of people saying, well, if they want Nick Nurse, they have to act fast. Well, what if Nick Nurse doesn't want the Sixers? Like, I think there's, I think we sort of have to come to grips that this may not be the most enticing job on the market for a coach like that. And I, I don't claim to know what Nick Nurse thinks, but just looking at it from an outside perspective, there's a lot of really good jobs on the market. Agreed. And th- I guess the the one benefit the Sixers have is they have an ownership that is generally pretty well thought of in league circles, I would say. That's why they got Daryl Morey in the first and place that in will part pay. because of that. 
They will pay money. So yeah, as 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 we have seen with the Daryl and Doc contracts. So yeah, we I don't know, but but I agree with you. Like there, there are other high profile jobs. Yeah, that Boston if Boston opens up, if they lose to Miami, which I'm not going to say is is definitely going to happen. I, it's I think we, as close to a lock as you can get. Like it doesn't happen. They won one game. It's but never winning happened. Three more is yeah is going to be borderline impossible. Real, real quick, by the way, just watching that game the other night. As much as we talk about coaching, as much as we talk about ah, playing and Joel needs to show up and all these things, I, I completely agree with with the Sixers need to be so much better. I don't think we've come to enough grips as a basketball watching society that tier threes freaking go in. Is, is that that's literally yeah. the yeah. game? Like that that's what happened the other night. Oh, Miami's not shooting the eyes out of the basketball for the first time in the series. Oh, you lose. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, oh, Boston actually made forty three percent of their threes the other night. Oh, they win. You know, no, I mean, how how much different would our podcast right now be if DeAnthony and Melton had just made a couple of threes? Like, and that's totally. not that's not letting Joel Embiid off the hook. Like, he was atrocious in every way in Game Seven. But if that Game Seven never needs to be played, and the Sixers close that out, you know, after winning what three out of four games to beat Boston, like we're having a very very different conversation. And those threes were wide the fuck open. Like, you could not get better looks than the one the Anthony Melton was getting for sure. For sure. For for a good shooter. And and I don't want to um also minimize that in the games the Sixers won, they they got the three point shooting luck in, in a lot of those games too. So I'm just just putting that out there. Uh where was I? I kind of lost track. Yeah, I have no oh, idea. Boston. Yeah, yeah. If they if that opens up, yeah, that's a very attractive job as well. That that would be probably a more attractive job than the Sixers if they are are willing to pay up. So so Nick Nurse, let's start with him. Because like, like you said, he might be the first domino that falls wherever he ends up you know, choosing to go. Uh, I would imagine he's pretty high on the Sixers list. He's, he's certainly a well thought of coach. I, I guess in doing kind of research on his past teams, what struck me is how different his Raptors teams over the past few years are from the current Sixers personnel, especially if yeah. Harden is back. Yeah. You're they're, not playing that long. defensive scheme with Harden. Yeah, no. No, no, you're not. You're not playing that defensive scheme, which, by the way, was bad this year. They they were a bad defense. That defensive scheme sort of ran out of ideas. There, I just it, remember seeing, like, Scott... It does feel a little Tibbsian to me, where, like, once the league figures it out, it can give up a lot of stuff that you don't want to give up. And, you know, I just see, like, watching them, watching the Sixers play against them, both in the playoffs last year and in the regular season this year, it's just like... Man, it's a lot of like Scotty Barnes is just running like a madman in the <laughs> yeah. middle of the lane, not yep. guarding anybody. And if if you're organized and your ball movement's on point, I think you get really good shots, you know. And obviously, uh, nurses' teams gave up a bunch of corner threes over the years. Like they just they packed the paint. They did a lot of those things. And I guess what sh- struck me is that for a team whose half court offense was horrendous, I've also seen some of this too. That Nick Nurse is like a ball movement guy. He's like a you know, the, the, the creativity extends the offensive end. Eh, yeah. I'm not exactly sure about that. His Toronto's half court offense was horrible over the past few years. A lot of really bad ISOs. Now they had bad shooting as well. Yep. So, so I guess that's my my opening point on Nick Nurse is that man, I, I respect him. I think it would be fun just because of his back and forth with Joel over the years. Maybe they do another kind of a supersized Dan Burke type of thing where they're rivals and then they're, they're friends and they're, you know, 
maybe they become kind of asshole type figures to the other team together. You know, I think it would be be fun in that regard. But my overarching point is that, man, it would be a completely different game. Like the, in terms of strengths and weaknesses, the roster he's been coaching the past couple of years to this current Sixers roster is it's night and day. It's it's completely different strengths and weaknesses. Yep. And also, like, if you're looking for a coach, we'll maybe prioritize keeping Joe fresh and limiting his minutes in regular season. Ah, that's <laughs> not your guy. And Harden, too, for that matter. And also, like, he can be a little hard on his own players. Like, he can try to push some buttons. Yeah. And, you know, Harden doesn't necessarily always react well to that based on recent reporting. So there are certainly some concerns. In terms of offense, you know, I do think a lot of times offenses tend to take the personality or at least the stylistic traits of their star, star or Toronto's case pseudo star players you know I, th- I think you see this a little bit with Monty and Phoenix like I've seen some people like oh man boy was their offense mid-range heavy and they, you know they're losing the math battle well you've got three of the greatest mid-range shooters of all time playing on the same team like their offense was always going to be mid-range heavy that doesn't mean you can't diagnose an offensive set it just means like Kevin Durant is the best mid-range shooter we've ever seen Chris Paul Devin Booker they're up there like that's going to happen. Toronto's a little bit like that too. You've got a lot of players who are very ISO heavy, don't necessarily make great in-game reads, uh, at least quick reads offensively, don't have a whole lot of ball handling. Like you're going to have limitations on what you can do, but their offense has never been super impressive. It's always been defense. And I do think this is a, a first of all, I think this is a, a team where I think you need a little more offensive creativity in the playoffs. Um, and also where that scheme is just like you toss it out throw it away it's never going to work with this personnel even though i enjoy watching it sometimes just wouldn't work with this group but that being said i I, like i do think that he is creative Uh, like i think what he did the first few years defensively was not only you know very movement based and very active but also creative i give him a lot of credit for that i think he'd figure stuff out but i think as a known commodity he's not that he's not a known commodity but that his scheme and adapting it to this group isn't as known as you would expect yeah, I mean, he has the accolades, too. But again, they're they're a little bit farther in the past now. We're talking five years ago, 2019 title, which, you know, if we're talking offensive creativity in the playoffs, I think every everybody listening to this podcast watched that game seven and, and watched the Raptors offense, which was Kawhi shoot every time down the court and hope that they go in a little bit no, more than the Sixers. I think, and I think this is something that you said in your column. Like, I think Brett Brown outcoached him in that series. It's just one play. One coach had Kawhi Leonard and the other one didn't. He's, he's, he's a great, he's Agreed. probably, he's probably, I don't know if he's at the top of my list, but he's like, I feel like we're talking, talking ourselves out of him. I probably like him more than I'm letting on in this. You're just kind of going over some of the concerns that you would have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the 20, and so let, let's go to the good stuff. Like, I would say the 2019-20 season that he coached was one of the best Terrific. individual coaching yep. seasons of the past 15 years. I mean, it's just unbelievable that they got a number two seed out of that uh, out of that group. That would be number one. Also, like their half court offense sucked, but because of that, they pushed the pace and transition, and they hit the offensive glass as hard as you could have. And so, with a terrible half court offense, if you look at the Raptors' overall offensive ratings, they're around average, which is is pretty good when 75 to 77% of the time, like, you're drawing dead. You're like a lottery team. So I, I think he certainly can kind of identify a team's strengths and weaknesses and, and play to those. So, yep. again, they would be different here, but I, I would assume he could figure it out. 
Um, has a relationship with Daryl Morey, obviously, just because Daryl Morey was the person who hired him in Rio Grande Valley. That's the uh, right. That's the yep. the G yep, League yep, team yep. in uh, in Houston. And uh, and I and while it's mostly been defensive type stuff, I, I do like the idea. And this is something you've mentioned in the past with Doc. It's like and 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 Bud conference finals, end of the conference semifinals. Can the coach give you a little bit more? Can they give you just enough of an advantage to to get you over the top in those close series sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't i i I think he has the reputation of a tinker and somebody who can do that so so that that interests me as well i i think he's he's certainly creative unorthodox willing to try stuff and that's you know that yeah it's overall it's a a pretty good bio there and i like i like experimental coaches like one of my biggest criticisms of Doc throughout the regular season, yeah, they're going to win a shit ton of games, but like, just try some shit and see if it works. And they didn't do much of that. Nick will do that at almost every opportunity, especially when forced. And, you know, I think there's, I would have a lot of concern of, well, will Nick Nurse and James Harden coexist for five years? No, I, I, <laughs> I feel like that relationship is going to eventually run its course. But there's also a part of me that's like, well, maybe you need to push Harden and just, I go back and forth. On the one hand, you want a coach to coddle him because the stars need to be happy. On the other hand, like get these fucking guys out of their comfort zone a little bit. And I think Nick Nurse might do that. It just might help them in a year or two, but not long term. I don't know. But I don't know. I'm not completely against a coach pushing them like that. Well, there's also a difference between getting them out of their comfort zone and is hard and pushable at all. Would would it just be a miserable relationship the whole time? It could could very well be a miserable relationship right from the jump. To wrap up Nick Nurse, I think he would be one of the two most interesting from a neutral standpoint if, if yep. he was hired, just for all of those on-court and off-court reasons we have laid out. Okay, so that's him. Let- Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, Use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TA Basketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget 
If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to the Athletic Plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager. Let's go to I guess let's go to D'Antoni next, right? I, sure. I think that's another one of the the top the, ones. The complete uh, opposite of Nick Nurse, I feel like. Incredibly creative, changed the game offensively, coddles James Harden will that relationship will work. You know it. You know, I think one of the things that always intrigued me with D'Antoni is not only getting the best out of James Harden, and I worry a little bit that he might try to feature James Harden a little bit more than he's capable of being featured right now, but I trust that he will eventually adapt. I do think if you're going to pick one coach to sort of like get the most out of Tyrese Maxey, it might be Mike mm-hmm. D'Antoni. And I think that is where it intrigues me as much as it does with Harden. I do think sometimes... You know, the defensive deficiencies of his squads are overstated a tiny bit, in part because a lot of those Phoenix teams were played before we really understood how pace impacts some of those per-game numbers. Those defenses were usually not awful. They weren't good, but they weren't awful. And I do feel like with Joel Embiid, you're going to have a probably good enough defense. I mean, look at the freaking team they ran out here this year with Maxi and Harden and Yang and all that. And we're sitting here... Frustrated, not because their defense came up short, but because offensively they didn't get there. And D'Antoni's ability to push them, you know, in the right directions in the playoffs is where the intrigue lies for me. Yeah, I think if you're if you're willing to compliment Joel in the the sea of abuse he's taking right now, sure. I think probably deservedly so in in a lot of cases, is that his defense was really good in that playoff series, and I think. Even if the Sixers finished like 10th in in defensive rating and had some really bad lulls for most of the season, it's clear when he dials it up in the playoffs, he is a different type of uh, a force and somebody who can cover up for a decent amount of weaknesses, right? Uh, You know, the Harden Maxi backcourt being flammable. And so the rationale for D'Antoni is that, and, and this is why. You know, Nurse might not make quite as much sense. Is that I think if if you need a creative mind on one end of the court. For this team, I yep. would argue it's on offense I agree. more than defense. So I agree hundred percent. That is D'Antoni over Nurse, and you and know, that you probably paints Maxie. a little bit why. That, like that probably paints a little bit why. Like we sounded like we were down on Nurse when I think I generally think he's a a very good to possibly fantastic coach who might run his course over time. But I think he's very creative. It's just the creativity comes on the wrong side of the court for the Sixers. And it's also too with like Joel. It's like. Well, how creative do you need to be? Like, just keep him near the basket, and then yeah. you tend to be pretty good defensively and, you know, let him him do those things. So that's, again, we're, we're talking ourselves out of nurse again. You mentioned Maxi. Uh, D'Antoni's teams in Houston led the league in threes every single year. That's partially Daryl Morey. It's partially James Harden. But Mike D'Antoni implemented that that system. He certainly, if Daryl Morey wants to see more of a Morey ball ethos, this is the guy. This yep. is the the Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction, he'll, he'll do the job for you. He, uh, I, Maxi is, is very intriguing, right? I, I, you know, if somebody who is one of the best shooters in the league does not shoot enough threes, this is probably the guy that'll coax it out yep. of him. And if there is a better pick and roll playmaker in Tyrese Maxi, I, I think we've been pretty consistent about the limitations that he has shown as a passer. If there is a better pick and roll playmaker, this is the guy to to coax it out of him. I'm not saying he's going to be Steve Nash circa 2006, James Harden circa 2018, but this guy was along for the ride for both of those things. So yeah, you know, no, he certainly didn't get a, get in the way of the, that greatness. So 
No, and there's two things I think are really a focus. First, it's like I said, finding a, a more creative way to get that half court offense unstuck against the elite defenses, which is a problem that has persisted year over year over year over year during the Joel Embiid era. I think D'Antoni is a real good option to try to see if they can get past that. And also, if you're going to say, well, you know, you're kind of in a spot now where in order to really win a championship, something surprising has to happen. One of those most likely surprises is Tyrese Maxey taking another step. Now, look, there are concerns. I don't necessarily think he's a, not necessarily, I don't think at all he's a very, you know, natural playmaker. I think there are limitations placed on a six foot two guard that are tough to overcome and historically have been tough to overcome at the highest of levels, yada, yada, yada. But if there's one way that he is going to get to that next level to surprise us, to become a, a difference maker um, and, and take yet another jump, I think Mike D'Antoni might be the right person to get him there. I agree with you on that. And that, those are two pretty big factors. And look, Mike D'Antoni's resume isn't perfect. He never gotten, uh, never won that championship, never gotten to the finals, yada, yada, yada. We all know that a lot of people place a lot of importance on that. But just in terms of what you need, he's important. And also, like I said, I don't think the Sixers are necessarily the most attractive. Now, money could change some of that. But just from a basketball perspective, I don't think the Sixers are the most attractive spot on the market. I think that might come into play when you talk about Nick Nurse. But I'm not sure there's necessarily four or five teams trying to hire Mike D'Antoni at this stage. Might not be what you want to hear. But like I think that probably increases the chances he ends up being the next Sixers' next coach. So what would you think, by the way? I mean, obviously, the the, the big drawback is just the message it sends for Harden and enabling sure. him and all those things. Yep. We talked about that at length on the last pod. That's not to say we're minimizing it here because I think that is a huge, huge concern, kind yep. of optics Absolutely. issue and, and concern and all of those things. I, I, I but guess we already it, talked it, about it. And I think yep. Go ahead. everybody knows about it or whatever. I, I guess, you know, it would be kind of interesting to me. What if they hired D'Antoni and Harden walked? Then I, I, I think I'd kind of be more into it. You know, like it's like, all right, you, you got Maxi. And Bede moving more to the perimeter, those type of things. That would be uh, in that in that sense. Like I wouldn't be that against it. But okay, too much on D'Antoni because we gotta we gotta get a out of here. Um, Mon- Monty through. Williams. There's been there's been reports about maybe he might sit out a year. I think Jake Fisher from from Yahoo Sports, our old Liberty Ballers friend, had uh, had put that. So let's let's move Monty to the side for a minute. Frank Vogel, real quick. I think Frank Vogel would not be that exciting. Like, I, I think we, we mentioned kind of the two exciting yep. uh, X's and O's kind of interesting personality type people in D'Antoni and Nurse. Those are the two that I was referring to. Uh, Frank Vogel is just a really good defensive coach. That's that's all I really have about him is yeah. that his teams play really hard on the defensive end. And look, it didn't always work. Like, obviously, as the Lakers personnel got worse, he became more of the scapegoat. I think a lot of people were arguing Oh man, why is he playing drop coverage with LeBron at the five and went Wendy and Gabriel and all those things? The Lakers, Rob Polinka's two years after they won the title were about as disastrous as front office yeah. years can get. Like, yep. there's no way. And I, and I will say for Frank Vogel, the one thing that he does have on his resume is that he got LeBron and AD to buy in that first year. I know everybody yells about the bubble title and is it Mickey Mouse and all this. It's fine. We can make all those jokes or whatever. That team was locked in that entire year on the defensive end in a way that I think Frank Vogel deserves a lot of credit for. And by the way, people yelling about Mickey Mouse bubble championships. Well, a lot of people said that about the heat winning East and look what's happening now. Sometimes, uh, sometimes our narratives aren't always right. Yeah. Um, Making the conference finals as well. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, no, look, I, again, I think Vogel's a qualified coach. It's just, 
I don't necessarily think his strengths are what they need right now. Uh, I would be a little bit surprised if he ended up being the pick. And I, I feel like we're yeah, probably too. shortchanging him right now by not talking about him too much. I just think there's better options to get the most out of the Sixers taking that next step. Uh, great story, though. It would be great to see the... We'll, we'll talk... You know, just as a local person, and Philadelphia loves to eat that shit up. That'd be great. He seems like a great guy, too. Like, just a guy with a good sense of humor and, and doesn't take yep. himself too seriously and still is pretty young. He got his break in Indiana as, as a young coach. You know, I don't I don't think he's even 50 years old yet. So uh, we will talk more about Frank if he becomes more of a person of interest and the Sixers end up hiring him. We'll have a lot of time. Uh, re- real quick, because I know you got to go. Uh, we, we Cassell, are, if, if it feels like we're sort of like pushing through these last two candidates or last few candidates a little too quickly, uh, it is because I have a hard out and we talk too much about the uh, the first couple. So we will, we will get into more coaching talk uh, later for sure. Just real quick, Cassell doesn't feel like he'll be the hire just because Daryl said a first-time NBA coach would not be... Um, would be tough. The usual hire yep. here. Yep. Uh, I, it would be interesting look, to see whether or not they could try to keep him as a lead assistant, but, you know, we'll see. He's got a great relationship with not only Tyrese Maxey, but everybody else on that team, and one more, James Harden. So uh, certainly a well-respected guy. I think Sam certainly deserves a shot at some point. I, I think he's mentioned this in interviews before. I wonder if he is a better fit for a young up and coming team, you know, mm-hmm. just as kind of somebody with the development background who can and, relate you know, as a players. first time head coach, yep. like Daryl said, like to not be completely under the pressure cooker in his first year and maybe, maybe build up. So uh, we'll see about that. And then the last one, Mike Budenholzer. And by the way, you are Would correct. Not- uh, Frankie Wildwood is 49. Yeah. Uh, Did you know that he was on a, a, an episode of uh, David Letterman when he was uh, in I high do. school? I didn't, with I didn't the, yeah, with the with the toothbrush, yeah. he's like spun the basketball on the toothbrush while doing. Hey, I'm it. Very, looking that up right impressive. when we get off of this podcast. Yep. Um, and the last one's Bud, who is. Look, I, I think if you're looking to just maximize your regular season wins next year, I, I that's the guy, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. They would shoot threes. They would defend their ass off. Their scheme would be sound. All of that would be a hundred percent true. They they might win fifty seven games if they brought back Harden and and the team. Would anybody listening to this have conf- uh, look? They did win a title. Now you know a foot on the line might be a different story. But they it's not like he hasn't had success. And I think he got better at adjusting later on into his Milwaukee career. But that would be he is the most qualified candidate that would ever be a tough sell to a fan base. And this would probably be the wrong <laughs> fan base to try to sell that to. <laughs> that's that's very well put. You know, his his issue is that the postseason success was not as consistently good. But in terms of, I think Zach Lowe has always called him Mister Low, the low hanging fruit coach, and he, you know, that can yeah. be kind of a uh, a he passive do jab. A whole but lot no, it just means stupid shit. No, that he does less stupid shit than any coach in the league. Like he, yeah. the, the stuff that is is easy and gettable and repeatable and just executing your main scheme at the highest level possible. He is the guy who's done it, and he's done it in two places. He did it in Atlanta with kind of a not star laden crew, mm-hmm. and then he did it in Milwaukee when he had Giannis as well. So uh, I think Bud is is excellent at that. I don't really have a lot on him from a personality standpoint. It seems like he's all about basketball, he have which one. could yeah. be a positive. <laughs> yeah. Could be a negative. I don't really know. And uh, and that's what I have on him. But I, but I certainly look look if you're 
if Harden walks and you're going to try and just maximize whatever you can out of a gap year, I think Bud would give. I would bet on Bud getting them the highest number of wins in the regular season next year, yeah. and then in the playoffs, well, they might be screwed anyway. Who do you? We'll wrap this up um, just based on conjecture. Who do you think is he most likely, and who would be your pick? I think. Wait, you get you. We 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 gave our picks last time, didn't we? I feel like we did that segment. Yeah. So who who do you think my, is most my pick likely? would be? Out of that I th- crew, I think I'm on the D'Antoni bandwagon. Now. I think I'm on D'Antoni. I'm not feeling a hundred percent on that, but yeah. And I think two and three would be some combination of Monty, which we barely talked about, and Nurse. And I'm not. A, I think Nurse is probably the better coach. I'm just not sure what I am a hundred percent confident in needing is what he will provide. Yeah, yeah. I, if if I had to pick, I I would pick Nurse. Although. I will fully admit that some of that is I'd like to see <laughs> I'd like to see a no nonsense type of guy <laughs> and the creative stuff. So yeah. That's that's where I lie, but we'll uh we'll certainly have more to talk about one of these people. Yeah. In the uh in the following weeks, or according to some sports books, maybe maybe our old friend JJ gets the job. Yeah. It's still crazy. I don't know where it's coming from. Anyway, thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.